gather into our seats here. Um, to, it's winter out there, in case you didn't know, in case you're not from the Midwest. If it's your first time here, I want to welcome you to the Church of Omaha. It's a great place. Um, I came, boy, in 2007, and I sat right back over here, and God just really touched my life. I was in a... a my world was, well, upside down. And um, I was like, God, can I just, can I be in church? Can I be in your presence? And, and God has been so great and kind to me. And, uh, um, and now I have five children and family. And, but to welcome to the Church of Omaha. And I just urge you to pour yourself out to him today. Talk to him and, and get to know him in a greater way. If we could turn on our, the scripture I've come from several passages today, um, and I thought I would open up with 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, um, so we'll open up with that, and then we will flip over to the book of Luke, chapter 18. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then Luke chapter 18, we turn to the passage actually starts at verse 18. But it says, And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all thou hast, and distribute it unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your scripture. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that you've given me today to deliver to your people. Speak to us, O God. Draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I would like to talk to you about pineapple upside down cake. Pineapple upside down cake. And as I was preparing notes and I was uh, looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 here, um, I have to admit that I smiled a little bit to myself when I thought, about opening up today's scripture with be ye not unequally yoked together. Um, how many of you would probably be like, wait a second, is this, what is this about today? Marriage? What, what are we talking about? Where's Pastor Lucas coming from? Um, but that, that verse right there, be not unequally yoked together, it really is in many ways fitting because today's topic is about relationship is about relationship. And as Paul went on to address the people here, and, and, and he was talking about what is our relationship like, he hits verse 16 that we probably spend a little more time with if you've been in church very long. It says, What agreement hath the temple of God with the idols? For you are the temple of the living God. 
hath God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, sometimes people will reach over to this verse and they'll use it to say, hey, what are you putting in your body? And, and they'll talk about, you know, you're not that you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll talk about that and say, hey, we shouldn't just be putting garbage in our body. And that's very true. That's very true. However, I do we probably eat more than my share of donuts. And the other day, I had some great fudge. And some of it was peanut butter fudge. And, you know, Finn, he can't be around peanut butter. And so I took that peanut butter fudge to work, and I made sure that it was gone with hours to spare. So that way, by the time I got home, he would not encounter the peanut butter. Truth is, as I looked down at the container that Brother Mike had given me, and I was like, how many pieces of fudge were here? <laughs> I think there's one, two, three, four less than there, there was when I got started. <laughs> Plus, it'll dry out. But this passage about what temple is more than just fudge and donuts. And yes, we don't want to be putting drugs into our bodies, and, but it it would even go further into what are you watching? What are you reading? Where's your lifestyle at? What are you participating in? And, and it's about relationship. Where are your relationships? And, and who are you connecting with? And what are you connecting with? What is that, that thing in your life or the things in your life? Because we, we always talk about you are what you eat or garbage in, garbage out. And it used to be when computers were a pretty new thing, they'd be like, it's only as good as it's programming. And, and maybe you all heard that as children growing up. And, um, and so what goes in is what comes out. And, um, but Paul here is really stressing to them that they're the temple of the living God. Sometimes when I hear that phrase, I think, suddenly I think small. I don't know why I think small. Um, because when you go and you see temples that people are like, well, this is a temple, and, and that's a temple, or whatever the religion is, they're usually pretty grandiose and, and pretty big, and it's a, a destination place that people would go to. Jerusalem... Um, during Paul's time of growing up, and even at that time, and um, it hadn't been destroyed yet, I don't believe. And so, uh, but you had the temple that was in Jerusalem, and people would make their way there, and it would be uh, three times a year. You know, the Passover and Pentecost and the Feast of Booths, and they would, they would, go, the men would go to the temple. They were supposed to go there. That's why, that's why on the uh, day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there were so many people there from so many backgrounds and. Kids are just um, studying Acts this year, so I can tell you Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and, and we could go on. And, and all these people came. Why? Because they came to the destination or the temple. And the temple wasn't some tiny place that you go into, some memento off to the side, but it was this place where all my life, I, I've been lived, I, most of my life, most of my year, I'm over here, I'm just doing this thing, but now I'm going to go to the place where. God's at. When you go past certain cathedrals or churches, um, you'll see that they're designed with high ceilings. It's got to be terrible for the HVAC bill. 
But they have high ceilings and cathedrals that, why? They, the idea is, hey, this is a place that's drawing you upward. And, and yes, it'll come to a point at the top, but that's because they're, you're, well, you've got to cover it somehow. Um, but also, you're drawing your eye towards Jesus and, and towards Almighty God. But the idea is the big expanse and the opening. You're drawing your eyes up towards heaven. Temples, cathedrals. and it, He tells us that you are the temple of the living God. Ah. And God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. Now, Sister Nancy, dwell. Okay, I'm not very... I'm not a very big person here. None of us are. You know, and uh, um, God's going to live in me. God is going to live in... Suddenly I see small packages again. And then he says, I will walk in them. Now, I know that's figurative language. But still, this is the place where I'm going to live. This is the place where I'm going to dwell. This is... This is where I'm going to be. That's, that's not something that is really, you would normally say, is small. If I said, well, that's where I want to live life at. Um, living life in Omaha is more than just the house that you live in. Living life in Omaha is, that's where I live. That's where I exist. I, my kids go to school there. We, we eat at these places. Uh, my job is over here. My family's over there. This is, this is my church. This are my friends. These are my hobbies. This is where I live. And God says, I want to live in you. Oh, we need to let Him live. I, I feel that with a little bit of conviction on myself here. We need to let God live in us. Let's not confine Him to a bedroom. You know, uh, uh, sometimes when your kids get in trouble, you ground them and you say, go to your bedroom and you stay there for a while and and why? Because you don't want them to go outside and to live. You don't want them to enjoy all the things they could enjoy. If you're smart about it, you take the Nintendo Switch as well. And you take out the books. And No, you do want them to read. Maybe we should keep them on reading, right? But, but you try to reduce the things they can do. Why? Because they're in trouble. And you want to deprive them of living just for a little bit. So that way they will mind you next time. And they'll say, if you want access to life, then you better behave. But yet God is saying that you are the temple of God. And God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. My people. This, I will be their God and they shall be my people when we flip back to Genesis chapter 17, here we see verse 1 that Abram was 90 years old. And you're saying Abram. This is where Abram got his name changed to Abraham. This is where God said, hey, Abram, we've been in relationship. We've been in covenant. But we're taking this to another level here. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, 99, that's King James' way of saying it, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. You know, perfect there means complete. It means whole. It's like a pie. If somebody comes in and eats a slice of the pie and you were supposed to take it to the party, you're not taking a whole pie to the party. And 
But when you put the whole thing together in our lives, we need to be complete and we need to be whole. And when you're missing Jesus or you put yourself in a position in life where he can't really be active in you and, and, do, and, and things aren't right, you're saying, what are you doing? You're missing pieces of the pie. The puzzle can't be all put together because you're missing pieces of it. You want to be perfect. So when we talk about perfection, we're saying, I want to be complete. I want to be whole. I want to have things in order and right. And he says, be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram falls on his face, and God tells him, for, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations." Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thou shalt be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and between thy seed after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. What was he saying? I'm going to be a God and they're going to be my people and and we're going to be in relationship. Be in relationship. See, covenants, big fancy word, you might think of it when you get a house and you get a house covenant. and, And what is it? It's an agreement. But normally covenants are between equal parties. And and that covenant is, hey, here's what it is. This is yours, but you're agreeing to abide by these rules to make this payment, to, and you're going to take care of it this way, and if you do your part, we're going to do our part. And, but if you don't do your part, then you're going to lose out on what you were supposed to have. We make a covenant. I'm committed to this if you're committed to that. Problem is, is God's here, and I'm here. This isn't an equal partnership relationship. And when you would enter into a covenant situation there with somebody that was far greater than you, what that great person, that great ruler, or that that wealthy rich uh, uh, patronage, or whatever you call them, that wealthy person would be saying is, here's what I'm going to do for your life, and I'm asking this of you. Why? Because there's nothing that you can give to that great, wealthy, rich one, and especially to God, that that He does not have other than relationship with you. Relationship with you. There's nothing that you can give them. And so it's it's a God towards us. And just two chapters before in um, Genesis 17 and... um, If you were to flip over to Genesis chapter 15, you would see that previously God had had came in a vision. God came in a vision, and when God came to him, he he, uh, came down and he was struggling here, and he's like, hey, and he's talking to him about the land. And Abram had said, how do I know this? I don't have anything. And God performed a covenant action in chapter 15 with him. And there were some animal parts that were split. When you read that, when you're reading through the Bible, and you read that, you're like, well, this is some sort of strange sacrifice. It was not a sacrifice. It was covenant. 
And normally both parties would have passed between this, these, this animal that was killed between the split pieces. Why? Because blood was shed and you would both pass through it and you would basically be saying, hey, we're talking about life here and we're passing through this and we're saying, I'm in agreement. But when you look, God is the only one that passes between the pieces. And what did Abram do at that time? While he waited for God to fulfill his part of it, he kept the birds off the, the, the slain animals, the slain pieces. He, he, he stayed there and he waved and he tried to keep the birds off. Why? You're not going to get these pieces. I'm making a covenant with God. More importantly, God's making a covenant with Abram. And time and again, God comes back and He tells him, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this for you. And that's why the passage we read, it was about, I'm going to be in re- change your name. And I'm going to be a God to you and to your seed. This whole thing of covenant, we see it again when we go to the book of Exodus. And we could pull out a lot of Scripture in Exodus, but I won't do that all to you. But when God comes in Exodus chapter 6, we find that... Um, He's talking again to Moses and he's telling him how he's heard the children of Israel. The children of Israel were in bondage. This is all the lineage of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, their lineage is now, their their offspring is all living in Egypt and they are now slaves. And God reminds him, I made covenant. I've heard the groanings of this people. In verse 5 he says, And I've also heard the groaning of the people of Israel from the Egyptians keep, or whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. I've remembered what I said I would be and what I would do. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. You know, when I, I, I pasted that scripture into my, my notes, I highlighted that I am the Lord. Why? Because there's something about, if you understood that these, these children of Israel, they're, they're being beat. They're being put in the worst case or worst situations. They're, they're being treated very roughly. They're building buildings, and it's not a pretty life. And yet God walks in, who they really hadn't had that, any sort of relationship with, and He says, I am the Lord. You know, He tells this to Moses. And, and I'm sorry... But in our world, they're all over here. They don't even know what's going on, right? And they don't have any idea. And yet God knows who He is. And God is so confident in Himself that He steps out there and He says, I am the Lord. Oh, it's like a victor coming over to, there's a battle in the valley and and, and the the champion would step up there on the, the ridge and and announce himself. And we see that in the story in David and Goliath. And Goliath's the one that falls. Why? Because the Lord showed up. And here the Lord shows up and says, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out. Hear me today. 
It may sound like a small voice. It may be that, that God came and just spoke to the preacher. Or you were in a place of prayer and God announced Himself to you and, and you don't hear Him seeing it out on the battlefield and you're like, God, couldn't you just show up to my job? And couldn't you step out there so they all can see you and now announce what you're going to do there? But no, God has shown up to you or He's showing up to a voice in your life and He's saying, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. Because there's something important about when God makes a commitment. And God made a commitment to each and every one of you. And He doesn't back out on His agreements. He doesn't treat them, treat them flippantly. No, when God makes a commitment, it may, you may wonder where He's at. You may not be able to find Him, but trust me, God will show up. Cry out to Him. Cry out to Him. Why? He heard the cry of the people. What does that cry mean? It means that you're saying, okay, where I'm living at, I, I don't want it anymore. Why was that so important to the children of Israel? Why? Because life had been good. Egypt had been their place of safety. Egypt had been the blessing that delivered them from, from a, a drought, a famine. God had used Joseph to take them down into Egypt to give them what they needed. But hear me, your blessing can become your bondage. Because the Savior was in Egypt. The Savior is Almighty God. And when He says it's time to move on, you can't stay where you're at. It may mean that there's a job change. It may mean that you go to a new location. It may mean that there's some things in your life and some relationships that he's like, this, this has got to change. I know this was a good place for you. I used it in your life, but no more. It's time to move on. And, and their blessing, the thing that had been their, their salvation, was now becoming their bondage. But God did not forget them. And he goes on, he says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you of their bondage and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people. And I will be to you a God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. This is God making covenant with Israel. He goes on and he speaks to them from the mountain and he delivers to them the Ten Commandments. Moses brings them down. What was so important about those Ten Commandments? They represented covenant. We didn't talk about it previously. We didn't read the next verses down, but when God changed Abraham's name or Abram's name to Abraham, they then had circumcision. There was a cutting in the flesh that occurred in, in, in the men there. What was it all about? It was about there's a mark on you. You're different. If you're not willing to take the mark, if you're not willing to abide, if you're not willing to hold to the thing that I'm establishing, if you're, you're not willing to do your part, uh, um, there, there's a relationship here. It may be that God's here and I'm down here. But if you walk out of your part, you don't get to participate in the covenant. 
When the children of Israel get brought out of Egypt, and it's a fantastic story, and we could, we could go through it today and next week and the week after that, and um, we could spend a lot of time there. But when he brings about his fantastic story, all the things that he does to trounce down the Egyptians' gods and to um, show the pe- people of Israel and to show the, the, the most powerful nation in the world just who he was. And if they had responded and listened to him, it could have been a different outcome. He does a great thing. And they're in the wilderness. And the children of Israel begin to complain and say, Oh, we don't have leeks and garlic. Now, how many of you feel like you're missing out on the world over onion? I'm sorry. Now, I know that garlic can, can provide great health benefits. But I don't want to give up on God for some garlic. But I say that, and yet we get to longing for a flavor or a taste or something, and it may not mean anything to anyone else, but it's our flavor and our taste, and we get to desire in that, and we get our eyes off what mattered in the covenant, and we start to draw back. And if any of them had picked up and said, you know what, I'm just walking back to Egypt. I miss my onions. I miss my garlic. I miss those leeks. Let me just go back. I'm headed back. They could have made their way back there and they would have missed out on everything that God was preparing for them. In fact, they complained so much in the wilderness that they regulated, that generation regulated their relationship to God with just a wilderness relationship and could not advance into the promised land because they so were obstinate and hard-headed and against God. When we mentioned the Ten Commandments representing that covenant, they reduced God in so many ways to a set of rules and regulations. You're like, Pastor Lucas, God gave them rules and regulations on the mountain. He passed them out. He said, this, 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 this is how you're supposed to live, and that's not how you're supposed to live. Well, what's that all about? Well, it's the basic fundamental things that if you're going to be connected with God, these are things that you have to do and and this is how it works and you can't do that and, and do this. Marriage is a great example. I use it a lot up here. My wife, after we got married, I said, well, glad we're back from the honeymoon. It's Monday morning. Hey, by the way, when I get off work today, I'm going to go hang with the guys. All right. Right? Oh, That's not what I thought the day after, but uh, we got back, but okay. No problem, no problem. Oh, I forgot to let you know, on Tuesday, they're doing a thing at my job, and you really wouldn't want to be there, but it's going to run really late, too. And then I, uh, oh, I got to travel out of town. I've traveled quite a bit. I got to travel out of town for the next six months. And after that, you know what would happen? I wouldn't even be there. But we could bring that in closer. And we could bring that relationship in closer in which I come home. I was like, wow, it was a rough day at work. And she's like, yeah, I had a hard day at work too. And I'm like, so what are you going to feed me? Oh, okay. Hey, my, my, my clothes weren't, my socks weren't quite how I liked them. Could you iron my socks for me next time? They're a little wrinkly. You know, and, oh, hey, and, and could you polish my golf clubs? I don't even have golf clubs, but could you polish them for me? What kind of relationship was this? I'm being ridiculous. But you know I'm being ridiculous. Why? Because there's things that you do to have relationship. And I'm saying silly things here. But there's some people that, that violate the terms of the relationship. They cheat on their spouse. They, 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 they uh, uh, treat them roughly. They abuse them. 
And what does that do? It destroys the relationship. And how much more with God? Did you think that you would come to God and live for the devil? Do you think that God doesn't have likes and dislikes? And so the children of Israel, they start to see, and they get the Ten Commandments, and the first ones deal with, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God only, right? Really? I can't have other gods? No! This is one God and this people relationship. But what did they do? They turned this thing into, uh, uh, it became, when we look back, we see a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. We see ten commandments. We see, I want to call it checklists for Jesus. And there's so much that we can learn out of studying the Old Testament, but even in the Old Testament, we were saved by grace. And this is what relationship, part of what it looked like. So many times there's theological studies and people will debate and they will want to split God apart as if they could somehow find a God particle and they could see it under a microscope and they could split Him apart and they have great discussions. But God stood up there and He told Moses, I am that I am. I'm the only God. There's nothing else. And He said, well, can you tell me, what should I do to tell them who sent me? And He said, tell them I am sent you. It's me. Why? Who do I say about you? Is there a long list of titles that I should give? Should I tell about all your accomplishments? Should I refer to what you did over here? And he says, tell them I am sent you. And then he had him tell them what he was going to do. Why? Because if you want to know God, It is not about studying a textbook. It's about relationship. It's about covenant. Covenant is relationship. And it's an I-you relationship. It's God in relationship with you. And you in relationship with God. And if you want to know God, it's in relationship. And so when you do not pray, And you do not... Now, you can read Scripture. Please read Scripture. You must read Scripture. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And and study the word. But when you do it, enjoy it. Open it up. Begin to to read it. Um, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Oh, God, help me to get my feet right where I need to go. What are you trying to tell me, God? Oh, I need some new counselors. Oh, what counsel do you have for me today, God? Yes, Lord, I want to listen to that. You know what will happen when you do that? You're not just reading Scripture. You're pouring it into you. You're you're hearing His words and then you're pausing to listen to Him and you're going back and forth with Him and you're having relationship. But if you don't do that, if you're like, uh, singing to the baron, all that did is break forth and sing a cradle loud and play well, interesting stuff here. Oh, let me get back here to the more interesting parts. He begat and he begat and the, all right. And, and you're like, whew, got that through. I know there's times that we're flying through and we're saying, hey, you know what, I just need to get through Scripture and it really kind of didn't do a lot in the moment, but you need to take time and spend time with Jesus and develop relationship. Relationship. See, when God came and He told them that He had heard them and that He was going to bring them out, 
and that he would be them to be them a God, and they would be to him a people. When he told that to Abraham, you know what he was not telling them? Hey, we're going to take this great life you have, and we're going to condense it down to a small little temple. Instead, Sister Dana, he was saying to a people who had suffered miserable life, I'm going to bring you out of your bondage. Your life has really been like this. Why did they long for the leeks and the garlics? Their life was like this. And God was wanting them to give them a life like this. Why? Why? Oh, I know we do it ourselves too, but we miss out on so much. He wanted to be in relationship. I will be to them a God and they will be to me a people. My children, they, they don't know. They don't know what a DC ramp test is and neither do most of you. Most of you do not know what delamination of the epoxy insulation is. I don't even know if I do, but no, I do. I'm better. <laughs> um, you don't know what the Mo circle is or anything like that. Those are things I deal with on my job, all right? You, you guys probably really don't care about the liquidated damages and how we calculated them. You really don't care about the acusonic flow meters that we put in the tunnels, and that's stuff I all worked on. And, and you're like, I'm, I'm picking weird terms for you on purpose, hoping that you don't know them. <laughs> and, uh, um, and why? Those are parts of my life. But just because my kids don't know those things doesn't mean that them and my wife, my wife, she likes me to sit at night and tell her all about that stuff, by the way. I settle down and at 7.30 p.m. I pull up a cup of coffee and I say, well, let's talk about acusonic flow meters. We've got a great generator rewind going on. No, she doesn't want to hear any of that. Um, but she knows me. And when I travel to the job site, they know what I'm doing. But unless they get relationship with me, they don't know me. And Jesus Christ is your Savior. He paid the price for your sins. And when you're baptized in Jesus' name and when you're filled with His Spirit, the price He paid, His blood payment, is applied to your life. And you are in covenant and relationship with Him. It's the, it's the opening thing. You see, I, I could do all the nice things around the house. I could be there. I could have the house ready. I could have all, uh, food on the table, and I could have flowers over there. And she would walk in and say, how nice is all this? And I do those things. But you know why I do those things? Because I already entered into commitment and relationship. And those things are part of the relationship. But if I hadn't entered into commitment, doing those things were nice things that she would receive, but it doesn't mean she's married. But those things are included in the marriage. They didn't get me the marriage. Now, granted, I had to be nice beforehand. She's not stupid, you know, and she, she wanted a good guy. So I hope I'm a good guy. Um, but to, uh, and it's that way with God. We were getting to connect with God and know God, but we needed to enter into relationship, into covenant with Him. And so... We now will transverse to the New Testament where we saw the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler wondered, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And as Bishop talked about on Wednesday, here he said, Why callest thou me good? 
you know what? But Mario, he didn't say, I'm not good. He just said, why callest thou me good? None is good save one that is God. There wasn't relationship there. He didn't really know Jesus. So why, why are you calling me good? Why? There's none good but God. Oh, but I know you're God. But that didn't happen there. He, he was inviting him in to say, hey, what? What? Why did you think I was good? There's none good but God. And, and, and it's, it's almost like an invitation. And then he says, do you know the commandments? Let's pull out the checklist. And don't do this, and don't do that, and, and do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother. And he's like, mm, I got it, I got it. Check, 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 check. We got this, Alicia, we got this. We did everything we need to purchase heaven. We did our part. But covenant is about relationship. And he said, all these things I kept from my youth up. And when Jesus heard these things, he said, yet lackest thou one thing, relationship. Because the, covenant, the commandments he had not listed were the ones that dealt with God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and only shalt thou serve. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said, yet lackest thou one thing, sell all thou hast, and distribute it unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. He wasn't telling him that he was going to purchase treasure in heaven by selling the goods. What was happening is he was moving out of the way and making room in his life for God. He was taking out those things that had become between him and being able to have a relationship with God. And he was moving them out of the way. And now God could fill up that part of his life. And he said, Thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Come and follow me. This is why when Paul talks about being unequally yoked together with unbelievers, in fellowship with righteousness and unrighteousness, what he's saying here is, and where, where we can go with this is, what do you have in your life and what are your relationships? And yeah, he's talking about people relationships here and, and it applies to marriage and who you're picking for a spouse, but he's, what are you connected with? That yoke was that, that chunk of wood that went between two oxen and hooked them together so they could pull together. But if you're not on the same page, you're not serving the same God, if I'm walking this way and you're walking that way, we can't do anything. There's no relationship and there can be no fellowship there. It doesn't work. You can't live in the world and live for God. And that's why He then tells us, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You, you're something big. You're something special. You're something great. You're the temple of God. The temple of the living God. Today's title is Pineapple Upside Down Cake. I understand that some of you maybe really like, is it? Who all likes pineapple upside down cake? I actually do, myself. Um, pineapple upside down cake, and we have a picture here in the circle, and it's a, it's a small little pineapple upside down cake, and it's truly upside down. 
How many of you, when you've sat down to eat some pineapple upside down cake, have it at the table where you can't see the pineapples? They're on the plate upside down. If that's how your pineapple upside down cake is, you're doing it all wrong. Okay? Light bulb. Saw somebody back there, right? No, I didn't. You're like, wait, that's what's been wrong. Why? Because the pineapple upside down cake is baked upside down. They put the ingredients in. They, they lay down the pineapples. And, and, and they, they put the toppings go on the bottom. And then the thing is baked and is cooked. And then when it's time to bring it out, to serve it so everybody can enjoy it and ingest it. And, and um, we, we, we won't take this too far, but you flip the cake over. And now everyone sees this cake and they enjoy the cake. When we're living for Jesus, sometimes it feels like a little bit of checklist. Right? Okay. I... Cannot keep, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to do those drugs, I'm not going to watch those movies, I, I'm, I'm not going to talk that way, I'm not going to treat people this way, I'm not going to wear that type of clothing, I'm going to uh, check, 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 check mark, check mark. Okay, I prayed today, good, boom, read my Bible, boom, got that, boom, okay, I went to church, oh good, that's a good one right there, boom, got it, check. And it may seem to you at times that your walk with God is contained in a list of ten commandments. And that your life, I almost put up there a background of like a pyramid. You know, we all have seen the pyramids and, uh, uh, where we talk about here's all the people working down here. And then we have management. Then we have upper management. Then we have the senior leader right at the top. And they show company structure that way. And then we get a little bit nifty with it and we mess with the pyramid and we say you're all important and, and right? Well, but that pyramid shape is sometimes what we feel like it is with God. God's at the top. We're striving towards Him. We had all this stuff in our lives. We start knocking things out. We're, we're building up towards God and soon we reach this up here and we have this singular thing and maybe that's why we want to put God in a tiny temple. Because we see God as the singular point. And is everybody following me here? But that is really not how it's supposed to be served up. We get it all upside down. And I know it makes sense because we need to pray. Why? Because we're communing with Jesus. We need to study His Word. Why? Because He wants to talk to us. And we, we need to be and we need to go to church. Why? So that we can have pastoral leadership in the, the fivefold ministry and the family of God together. We need those things. And in doing those things, we learn we connect more with Jesus and one another, and we then open up a life, and we need to take that pyramid and turn it this way. Why? Because we were in Egypt in bondage, and that was at the bottom. But when he brought us out, he took us out of those things, and we now begin to 
open up and when you enter into prayer with Him and you let Him talk to you, you just don't give Him a laundry list and speak really fast and put it out there. And, and when you take time to spend a little bit of time on a, a passage and ask Him what it means and ingest it, you, you then don't just fly through that Scripture, but you open it up just a little bit more. And, and, and then when you take time to listen to somebody else and you come to church, you now have relationship and connection and brotherhood and sisterhood. And, and it gets bigger and bigger And you know what happens to your view of God? Instead of Him being the point at the top, you now will see Him. And His glory is unending. And in relationship with Him remains totally unexplored. And when a couple gets married, they're not saying, hey, this is the destination point. We got to the top of the pyramid. Alicia and I were saying, let's do life together. And that's what God is telling us here. That I will be to them a God and they will be to me a people. When Paul told us that, know you not that you are the temple? When he began to talk to us about that being the temple language. And then when he said, hey, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God and I will dwell in them and walk in them. What are we going to do? We're doing life together with Jesus Christ. And it's glorious. Go ahead, let's give him a hand clap. Hallelujah. It's glorious. It's awesome. It's wonderful. And the rich young ruler, he got it all wrong. He got it upside down. And today, sometimes in baking the cake, it requires for us to just do some basics. I need to put a place of prayer in my life. I need to take time to read the Word. There's some basic things that God just, I need to change up language. All right? I need to do that. But if it's truly going to be the way the cake is supposed to be, we got to get things righted. Because this isn't about coming to church and having your name on a roll. And baptism really is about applying Jesus to your life and entering into covenant. It's, hear me. I want each and every one of you in heaven. I don't want your soul to go to hell. I do not want that desperately. I want to get you there. But God didn't intend this just to be a list of check marks off that I can get you to heaven. He wants to be in relationship with you. And so when He stood out there and He said, I'll deliver them, He meant it. And He meant that He was going to deliver you from a small life and a life that was only regulated to just a little bit of what you thought was living. And instead, He wants to open up an unending threshold of His glory and His majesty and His awesomeness. And let's just give Him a hand clap and tell Him that we love Him and connect with Him and worship Him. See, you have, you have only wanted to just reduce God to a set of commandments. But the first commandments were about worshiping and serving God. And when you do that, that's relationship. And frankly, the Ten Commandments weren't about a check mark. They were about relationship with God and relationship with people. And last week we talked about the first and the second commandment like unto it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And it's horizontal relationships, and it's upward relationships. I don't know where your relationship is at starting off here in 2024. I have not asked you 
to feel ashamed of your past. I've not knocked you down or beat you up. I've not, I've not said, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. I'm just telling you, there's a great and glorious relationship to have. And we got to get things flipped around. Because you can do academic studies on, on God all day long. There's a lot of people that do that and they don't believe in God. And they'll never know Him unless they enter into relationship. And so what do we need to do? I think we need to have some garage sales. We have some things in our life that it's time to move out so that we can get a bigger house. And you say, what, what on earth? If I got a bigger house, I could keep all those things. No, your house cannot get bigger because the house that's going to be enlarged is the one that God dwells in. And you will be contained to a tiny house if you don't sell some things. We're, we're getting ready to do a media fast. What's great about that? Frankly, there's some scrolling and maybe some trolling that needs to go. We all get caught up in it. I accidentally clicked on a link to look at something yesterday, and it took me to Instagram. And it took me to one after another. And pretty soon I was like, I'm like, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. What's great about it? You say, well, that's small details. But you're making room for God. You're getting things righted. You're getting, you're getting places there. And you will begin to see God in a greater way. Why? Hey, you know what? Young man, you have been held by those things. And he said, he said you'll have treasure in heaven. That's how he told him. So all those things, give them to the poor. You're going to get your life right. You're going to have treasure in heaven. Follow me. Follow me me. Well, what's the difference in that language? What's the difference? It's saying, hey, you're going to have treasure in heaven. Follow me. Let's do life together. Let's get things flipped back around. You were never meant to eat the cake upside down. It wasn't supposed to be served that way. Can we go ahead and stand to our feet? I didn't put this scripture in here, but in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were cheating on God. They were serving false gods and serving the ways of the world. And God is like, I did not divorce you. Well, what happens in covenant? Well, marriage is a covenant. When you get a divorce, you split that apart. One party wasn't fulfilling it. And yet God was like, I did not divorce you. And he's letting you know today, you maybe didn't fulfill all the parts of the covenant. But that's not what it's about. He wanted to be in relationship with you and He's calling you back repeatedly and repeatedly. And you say, well, I, I, I didn't get it right yesterday. But what about today? And, and you mess up today, but tomorrow. Why? He, he, he didn't fill you with His Spirit to boot you out the door. Instead, He's saying, hey, you know how I wanted it. Let's do life together. Let's lift our faces up and our hands up towards heaven. Lord Jesus, in 2024, oh God, I want to enter into that, that covenant. I want to be in relationship with You. I want to be able to see the glorious and great expanse of Your glory. I want to see the unending 
dependingness of, of what it is, oh God, to, to really know You, to fellowship with You, to feel Your presence, to love You, and to feel Your love, oh God. I don't want to just make it a checklist, but oh God, I want to be a conduit that You can flow through. I want to be somebody, Lord, that You can minister through to reach this world. We give You glory and praise in Jesus' name. Go ahead and give Him a hand clap. We worship You, oh God. Praise you. Go ahead. See yourselves as a place that God wants to walk and live. Come back in here in, in 10 minutes and we'll have worship and have church. In Jesus' name.